Erin, and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture, and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. This week we're staying in Scandinavia for the terrifying Jotun of Norse mythology, these are very specifically Norse, so at least there is some kind of variation from last week's creature and culture. Probably one of the best well-known Norse monsters are the Jotun, or the Jotnar as its official plural. They are the legendary frost giants who terrorised the Norse gods up in Asgard, the home of the Norse gods, including Odin, Thor and all your favourites from Marvel and history alike. There are going to be mentions of the nine different realms of Norse mythology within this episode, so I'll talk about these a bit later, so you kind of know what I'm talking about if you're not clued up on these. Jotun are described as either unbelievably hideous or outrageously beautiful, who are descended from one of the oldest beings noted in Norse mythology, Ymir, who I'll go into later. It's a big story, and no, he's not a hero, so I'm not going against my own policy of no hero stories. The ugly versions have claws, fangs, and deformed features, but are incredibly strong. Some of them may even have many heads, some of them up to nine. However, don't think because of their size and features that they're dumb. They have knowledge lost to the other races from the bygone era before the Norse gods, making them some of the most dangerous enemies to them. The Jotun lived in the realm of Jotunheim, where it was permanently freezing cold, consisting mostly of rocks, wilderness and dense forests, and it lies in the snowy regions on the outermost shores of the ocean. The giants live mostly from the fish in the rivers, the animals from the forest, as there is no fertile land in Jotunheim. Jotunheim is separated from Asgard by the river Iving, which never freezes over. Utgard is the stronghold of Jotnar, and can be called the giant's version of Asgard, and it's so tall it's hard to see the top of it. The fortress is carved from blocks of snow and glistening icicles. The Jotun king Utgard Loki lives here, who overrules all of the Jotnar. There are three different types of Jotun, the Frost Jotun being the most famous. They are called the Hrimfthasar, and are the most ancient of the Jotun, who were created when the world was, making them one of the oldest races. Then there are the Fire Jotun. These are known as the Elfthasar. The Fire Jotun are the most famous for being super into Ragnarok, the Norse version of the Apocalypse, and the belief in the fiery destruction of the cosmos. They actually live separately from the Frost Jotun in a realm called Muspelheim. Lastly, there are the Beast Jotun. These are basically all of the monsters from Norse myth. Even though they usually have a very divine lineage, they often resemble animals of some kind. A good few examples of these are Fenrir, Jorgmunder, and Skull and Hattie, who all have their own little episodes within this podcast series, I'm sure, down the line. Now, the Jotun are said to be giants, however, there isn't really any evidence to say that they were any bigger than the gods of Asgard, the humans of Midgard, or the elves in Alfheim. The only reference to this would be in more modern depictions of them and older paintings. They're also sometimes linked to the classic nice monster of a troll, which are also Germanic mythos descended. However, they weren't all terrible. There were so many different well-known Jotnar within Norse myth that we can certainly see that there were more of a definitely benevolent bunch in comparison to some others. 
There were actually a few of them who married into the godly races of the Vanir and the Aesir, who lived up in Asgard and Vanaheim respectively, and ruled over the Norse myth world, but we'll talk about the more famous Jotnar a bit later. Okay pals, let's move on to some etymology this week. The word Jotun translates very literally to giant. Yep, so you know I was saying earlier that nothing actually tells us that they were any bigger than humans? This is literally the only thing that kind of throws off that whole giant thing. So enjoy that fact. Another fun fact is that the rumour of the Jotun made it across the Northern Sea to the Anglo-Saxon England, who then had created their own version of the Jotun in the Etin. They were actually giants who wielded massive clubs and had at least two heads. If you've ever played World of Warcraft at any point in your life, you'll probably be shuddering at the thought of them like I am. They are always very hard to take down. Now, I did promise that before we went too far, I would explain the Nine Realms of Norse myth. This is definitely one of my most favourite parts of Norse mythology. So, it all stems from this thing called the World Tree, Yggdrasil, which gives life to all the separate Nine Worlds. Firstly, we have the realm of the gods made from this. This is Asgard, where all of our Norse pantheon or the Aesir live out their lives in luxury and peace. Following that, we have the realm of the Vanir in Vanaheim, who are kind of the Norse equivalent of the Greek titans, really old, magic godlike beings. The gods Freyr, Nord and Freya move to Asgard from here. Then there are the darker and oldest realms, one of these being Nilfheim, home of the Dark Elves, a really cold and misty place. Then there's Muspelheim, the land of fire filled with lava, fire giants and ruled over by a giant Sutra who has a very important role in Ragnarok, which we'll get to a bit later. Then we have the three realms of races, Jotunheim, which we've discussed, the home of the Jotun. There is then Alfheim, a lush wooded realm of the light elves, and Svartalfheim, the home of the dwarfs, covered in mountains and mostly constructed of mines and tunnels. Lastly, there are the two mortal-based realms, Midgard, the home of humans, literally where we are meant to live, so I guess it's kind of Earth if you think of them in a planet kind of way, then the realm of the dishonourable dead, Helheim, where the goddess of death, Hel, reigns over and makes sure that no one there feels happiness ever again. Now I hear you, this is all very interesting Erin, I hear you say, but you've just given me a whole load of names, a whole load of worlds and stuff, how is this relevant to Jotnar, our monster? I'll tell you why, and I don't just tell you things for the sake of it, you know. All of these realms, bar the oldest two, were formed because of the first Jotun. His name was Ymir, we talked about him a bit earlier. You might have heard this legendary figure within Norse mythology, but let me tell you this story. Ymir was born when the fires of Muspelheim and the ice of Nilfheim met in the world's abyss, known as the Gap. And this was really the first ever being in the world. He was massive and he was a hermaphrodite, completely sexless, and gained all of his strength from suckling at a mystical cow. Anyway, the Jotun literally formed within Ymir's armpit as beads of sweat, and the first ever god, Buri, sprang from a salt lick that the mystical cow was licking. As you do. Buri then mated with one of the giants that were born from Ymir's armpit, and they went on to have all of the Aesir gods, including Odin, king of the gods, and his brothers Vili and V. They killed Ymir, and from that formed the other realms. They literally completely broke his body apart and used it as the literal building blocks of the worlds. 
I've got a really great extract from the amazing poem Idda here. From Emir's flesh, the earth was created, and from his blood, the sea, mountains from bone, trees from hair, and from his skull, the sky, and from his eyebrows, the blithe gods made Midgard, homes of the sons of men, and from his brains, they sculpted the grim clouds. The Jotnar were pretty miffed at this, this was their dad realistically. As the Aesir didn't want them around, they sailed down the river of blood to their home at Jotunheim. However, as I said earlier, there were exceptions to this as there were a few Jotun that coupled up with Aesir or were introduced into the Pantheon. The most famous of these being Loki, the trickster god, who was very literally a Jotun. He also went on to father a lot of the bestiary Jotun that I mentioned earlier with one of his wives who was a giantess, Agraboda, including Fenrir, the mighty wolf, and Jorgamunder, the world serpent. There was also Aegir, who was the Norse god of the sea. He was exceptionally cruel to humans, but the gods all loved him as he threw absolute banging parties. He also had a Jotun wife called Ron, and they had nine daughters, who, if you remember from my art segment last week, were terrorised by an Ixie. Nice link to last episode, Erin. The last two are Thrym and Hyrakin. If you watch my quick myths on Monday on TikTok or Instagram, you might remember me talking about Thrym as he really wanted to marry Freya, the goddess of beauty, and so he stole Thor's hammer, Munir. Thor disguised himself as Freya and killed Thrym to retrieve it. Now, Hyrakin was an awesome giantess in contrast. She had a huge horse which could also transform into a wolf. She would often use reins made from poisonous snakes to control the horse when it was in wolf form. She was so strong that once she visited Asgard to help Balder, the god of light, his ship out of the sea as no god was strong enough to do so, not even Thor. Lastly, we should probably talk about this monster's role in Ragnarok. This is when the giants of Jotunheim and the forces of Hel launch an attack on the gods of Asgard and practically bring down the Norse pantheon as we know it. The Jotun do have a massive part in this as they are the main race who start the attack on Asgard. However, the fire giants and their ruler Sertra were literally created to wreck the final destruction of the world by setting fire to the world tree at the end of Ragnarok. The fire giants rode on horses and burned all of Midgard, killing all of the humans, some of the gods, and actually all of the fire giants. So it didn't really turn out very good for anyone. Anyway, on to art this week. I would say, honestly, have a look at some independent stuff this week if you're curious. I really struggled to find anything this week. They're all from kind of older artists that have got no names to them, or it's a lot of pottery. So you can make your mind whether you want to kind of look those up, but honestly, have a look at independent stuff. For movies, of course, we have to talk about the Marvel Universe and the Thor movies. All three, four films, <laughs> that sounds really funny, and a couple of the Avengers movies do feature Loki, and it is no secret that he is a frost giant from Jotunheim within this storyline. His story was very much that he was adopted by Odin, which is kind of nice. Definitely not how it is in actual mythology, but that's fine. In mythology, though, Loki has a much bigger part in Ragnarok than he does in the Thor movie. There is also a 2017 horror film, The Ritual, where the main antagonist is a Jotun and actually a child of Loki. 
For TV, Jotun are in The Librarians, Ragnarok and obviously Loki, the series. However, they're only mentioned a tiny bit in this. They're also a massive inspiration from the Titans in the anime and manga Attack on Titan, which is my sister's absolute favourite, so I have to mention it here just as a PSA. For video games, they're actually in a load, including God of War, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, my personal favourite, Smite, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Fire Emblem, Brawlhalla, World of Warcraft, Roki, Northgard, and Guild Wars 2. My book recommendation for this week would be The Ritual by Adam Neville, which is the book the movie is based on. It is very spooky, but it's very worth it if you're into that kind of thing. Or for more fact-based bits, I would have a look at Amy Hughes's Norse Mythology. It's a very good book filled with loads of stories and just folklore tales from Norse myth. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I'm going to say probably not for this one. However, I'm not too sure what it is about Norse myth for me specifically, but I think sometimes it's a little bit too far-fetched for me to believe, and I struggle to really imagine monsters like Jotun in a modern context. And yes, don't get me wrong, you can struggle to imagine mermaids in a kind of now context. However, imagine a giant icy being stomping all over the Himalayas. And yes, I know about yetis, you might cover them at some point, who knows, surprise, but I can't even imagine it. However, we can certainly see concepts of giants in other mythologies, such as the Etin from Old English myth, or the Cyclops in Greek myth. They're certainly not an uncommon type of monster, considering that one of the most famous fairy tales of all time features a giant as the main antagonist, who really just doesn't want a small child stealing his things and then climbing away down a beanstalk. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed all of that. They are very cool monsters, as they're so well known, it was super fun to research them. Luckily, I have a bunch of Scandinavian powers who kind of helped me with the pronunciations this week, so thank you everyone who assisted with this one. Also, I'd just like to say sorry for the information dump too, regarding all of the Norse realms, but it's all in really good context, and I don't like to make references to things that people might not know. I'd much rather go over them very briefly, then have people get confused and have to Google the things I talk about. That's literally what this podcast is supposed to do for you, so hope that's okay. Next week, we're heading back over to the UK, and we're looking at the horrifying folklore tale of Bloody Mary, based on one of our own queens, but now used as a scary dare game. Don't say her name three times in front of the mirror before next Thursday. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. All of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk. So come join the fun and share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, Stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes.